0: Welcome into Season 2 of the official Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs podcast, Pig Pod. Hi everybody, Sam Jelnick, uh the relative new voice of the team I suppose, we're about a month into the year now, so uh, if you haven't figured it out it's me, well, surprise. Uh, we have our first guest here on the Pig Pod this season. We are very happy to be joined by Iron Pigs reliever Trey Cobb. Trey? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Anytime I can get up in the press box, I'm all about it. <laughs> so we are actually in your relative old stomping grounds. You were a uh, minor league rule five pick by the Phillies this past off season, coming from the Mets organization, and we are recording this up in the press box here in uh, Syracuse, New York, where you played the past two years. So we were talking about it a little bit earlier, a little weird, little nostalgia being back here.
1: Yeah, definitely uh, ups and downs, uh, and it's interesting to see it from the other side of the field. Um, and it's the first time being with the Mets for six years that I've played against a team I've played for, you know, high school, I've played for the same team and little league, same thing. And then college, you play on the same team. So it's, it's definitely different playing against somebody that you played, played for and having teammates and coaches that are, that are all on the other side. Um, but, it, but I'm excited for it.
0: Are you scared, nervous, or excited for the first time that you get into a game here and actually face one of your old friends?
1: Yeah, I think it's exciting. You know, I th- I feel like I'm not the type of guy in between the lines to like give the head <laughs> nod or like a what's up, you know. Um, so it, it's more just I'm just seeing the glove, and then afterwards, hopefully something hopefully something fun can happen <laughs> that we can have a laugh at, you know, after after the fact. But I think that during the during the game, you know, I faced a lot of friends in the past, and and I think that it's just gonna almost enhance the competition.
0: So to go all the way back here, like you were talking about, you know. Growing up, playing for Little League teams, you grew up in Oklahoma, and you stayed in Oklahoma for college as well. Uh, tell me just a little bit about what it was like you know, growing up in your family, how you got into baseball at the start of things, and uh, kind of the, your path to Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, so my grandpa played uh, baseball in the big leagues for 10 years. And so baseball is just kind of the lifeblood of the family, and we would have family baseball games every Thanksgiving. When everybody was playing football, we were always <laughs> playing baseball. And so, uh, you know, I grew up with my parents, um, both both working really hard, and my uh, grandma and grandpa they were at home, so they would watch me and take grandpa would take me fishing and tell me stories, and we'd come back and and watch ball games on TV, and just some of the, listening to some of the stuff that he would pick up on was always really fascinating, and I learned a lot of the game from him, and um, with tips of the game he really never told me much, <laughs> you know, he just wanted wanted if somebody was watching me to play, not know if I did good or bad, you know, they just wanted to, I was the same guy every time. So that was really his only advice, but man, it was, it was a dream. Honestly, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's like an hour and 15 minutes outside of Stillwater where Oklahoma state is. And I grew up with, you know, we're going to all the games that we could, basketball, football, baseball, whatever you could, whatever you could name, we're trying to get to Stillwater to watch. And uh, so that's, that's the only place I wanted to do. Like when I grew up, I just wanted to play at Oklahoma state. And so it was really cool being able to get the chance to do that and, and go to Stillwater and feel like, you know, we were able to actually like have an impact there. We went to the college world series and it was, it was a blast. And um, so everything after that is icing on the cake. If you would have told me I'd have played seven years of professional baseball after Oklahoma state, I would have thought there was no way, you know, I would, cause every, every moment I feel it, i feel Oklahoma state tugging me back every, <laughs> every chance that my heart gets. So, um, but yeah, it's, I miss Oklahoma, I miss Oklahoma state, but, being here and meeting meeting guys from all over the country and all over the world, really, and and playing baseball at, at, at a level like this with with coaches, it's 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 fascinating. You learn something new every day.
0: I'm curious about the conversations that you had with your grandfather because it kind of sounds like he was one of those guys where he was able to compartmentalize a little bit his uh, playing career. That you know he played for ten years in the majors, but that part of his life was done. And he moved on and you know became a grandfather and did all that kind of good stuff. Did you have to kind of pry the stuff out of him a little bit?
1: Yeah, we haven't really, I haven't really heard a lot of big league stories from him until the last, you know, three or four years, Um, and I don't know if that's because he can kind of, maybe I relate to him more now, Mm -hmm. so he'll tell, you know, funny stories about things that I might be experiencing myself, Um, but I think that one of the things that comes with him playing in the big leagues for so long was him understanding how hard the game is and never putting any pressure on me, you know, to whereas the, the dad that might have flamed out in Little League himself, <laughs> he might be like, you are the ticket, you know, like, you've got it, to where my grandpa was like, this is the hardest game in the world, you know. If he does good or bad, as long as he, you know, acts well, then then we're happy. Um, so, yeah, I was, was just prying stories out of him. And it was either – when I was a kid, the stories would either come up because, you know – we'd be watching a game and they would do a story about somebody that maybe he'd played against and then he'd tell you a quick story about him you know one of the earliest stories I can remember is him telling me that Roberto or Clemente almost ended our family tree <laughs> so Okay, he hit a okay. line, line drive right between his legs and then for, it was like for a double or something it ended up going to the wall That's how he said that's how hard he hit it
0: <laughs> that's um, I gotta say that's the first time I've uh, heard something like that <laughs>
1: yeah so that was that was funny so uh he's 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 a funny guy, and he uh you know i'll I'll do lessons in the off season mm-hmm. and coach kids and I'll coach some people that frank have been my grandpa's been around a lot, and I'll say something to their kid, and their dad is like that's a frankism <laughs> they're calling' them frankisms that's something he would say you know and just little, little country sayings. I don't know. I couldn't even think of one right now if I tried to, but they just come to you right on the spot and you say it and they're like, oh, that's something, that's something your grandpa would say, you know? So if I can be compared to him, that's, that's a good start.
0: So aside from the Clemente story, is there any piece of story, memorabilia, anything that, uh, you know, is your favorite that he's shown to you?
1: Yeah. He's got a, a big, uh, trophy case mm-hmm. of all the stuff that's, you know, important to him and, um, yeah. I think my grandma put it all together, you know, and he just he just has it in there in his pool room where he's trying to beat people in, in <laughs> billiards. But um he actually gave me a couple signed baseballs this off-season from his uh Giants teams. Oh, so wow. you know they'd have, you know, Willie McCovey, Willie Mays, Juan Marichal, um just guys like that and um I think that those are really cool. It's just it's just neat to see those balls and um uh, being on the, all these, you know, teams, you know, in the minor leagues obviously, but Every team has its own story, and so, like you have that ball with every autograph, and you just feel like that you know that whole team's story is right there on that baseball, which I think is really cool.
0: talking to so many guys across the minor leagues, um one thing I'm always fascinated by is some guys really relish the baseball history, and some of them you know they like playing baseball because they're good at it. Uh, where did you kind of fall in that spectrum because it sounds like you've kind of delved deeper into the history of the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up a giant cubs fan watching mm-hmm. on w g n and so we had everything local. And there's no real local team in in Oklahoma. When I grew up, the Rangers were horrible, (laughs) and the Royals were horrible. So, you know, anything close to you was either the Cardinals or the Cubs. And so uh, we watched a lot of Cubs games being on WGN. And I think that, um, you know, him teaching me history of the game, and we'd watch the Ken Burns baseball documentaries Mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, I was talking about it this last uh, offseason that that Derek Jeter documentary came out. And I couldn't even really watch it because I'd get so, like, angry. Because as a kid, those were the moments I grew up, the late 90s, early 2000s. That was, like, the prime childhood Mm -hmm. of baseball. And I just knew I was going to be in all those moments. You know, I knew I was going to be in the Hall of Fame and making Mm -hmm. these careers, watching all these guys, because I'm in the front yard pretending, you know, that I'm, like, Trot Nixon against the (laughs) Yankees. And then then he hits the home run, so then Aaron Boone or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, like, playing. I probably played that you know, 2003 series in my front yard a thousand times. And so you're like, I'm going to do that one day. And then you're watching, you're like, oh, I'm about to turn 29. And I haven't done any of that. So it kind of make you sick to your stomach. But yeah, I grew up definitely, you know, wanting to be one of the, one of those guys I was watching and, and knowing a lot about uh, baseball. We play a game in the bullpen, you know, the bullpen's all full of games. How are we going to, how are we going to kill these, these three hours? It's a little better with the pitch clock now, but one of them is the name game, mm-hmm. and so it's just baseball, and you would say somebody's name, and then whoever their last name started with, the next person would have to say a first name, and you get, like, three strikes, and you're out. I don't think I've ever gotten a <laughs> strike, you know, and everybody's like, There's not, that guy's not real. There's no <laughs> way. I'm like, no, dude, Steve Schraxel, like, he was yeah. a, he was a good pitcher, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's entertaining, but yeah, the baseball history is definitely something that, that I
0: like. So, moving forward in your career, we got up to the Oklahoma State portion, you get drafted by the Mets, and your career, for the most part, to truncate it here, first six, seven years, you're a standard minor league pitcher. You're going about your business. You make it all the way up to AAA in 2021. And then that summer is when things really change for you. And, you know, I when I first saw you pitch, I was like, you know, you don't see too many sidearmers anymore, especially sidearmers who throw about 90. (laughs) That's uh, very peculiar. So if you could go back into the story of, you know, making that transition from what you call a very regular run of the mill starter to, you know, somebody who throws weird. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, our name
1: for him is, uh, Jarps, just, Jarps. A, just another right-handed pitcher.
0: <laughs> That's right? a new one. And so
1: I was a Jarp. I was every, every right-handed guy you see come out, 92, 95 mm-hmm. with a slider, not, and maybe a <laughs> change up. Right. So that was me. And, Made it up, made it up to here in Syracuse, and was always a really good strike thrower in my career. And they'd gotten hurt pretty early in the big leagues in two thousand twenty-one, so they needed some guys that were throwing strikes. So that was me, and um, came up and threw strikes and, uh, for three months, and a lot of them went over the fence. <laughs> and uh, but when I came up, I was kind of a nothing for them. It was like I was ninety, ninety-two, not even a JARP yet. Mm-hmm. And then around June, I started throwing 95 more more and more. And they were like, hey, we might actually have something here. Let's take a look at this. And so they dropped me down uh, sidearm. And i when I first initially did it, I was throwing just as hard. So I was like 93, 95 sidearm. And um, it was an adventure. I, when they told me they were going to drop me down sidearm, I thought, oh, this is great. I'll go down to Florida, maybe <laughs> throw in the GCL, figure out how to do this. They were like, nope, save situation in Rochester tomorrow. <laughs> So they dropped me down Saturday in Rochester. Sunday, I'm in the game. save situation. I blow it. Oh. They told me on Saturday, I'm fighting it. And they were like, no, this is great. You should be able to throw the ball right down the middle from down there. And nobody hit it out because it's going to sink and move so much. First guy home run, two-run <laughs> home run. It was Derek Dietrich. I'm mm. like, okay. So he hits a two-run homer, and that's the start of my sidearm <laughs> career. Um, but 2022 just kind of came into came into season, and – it was the first time that I had practiced, you know, they were like, do this. And I'd never done it before trying to get guys out in AAA, a. And so that off season, um, Jeremy Hefner, the pitching coach for the, for the New York Mets, he lives like 20 minutes away from me in Oklahoma. And so he told me, he said, Hey, every bullpen you throw, I want to go. And so every bullpen that I would throw, he would come watch and give me tips. And well, this is what Aaron loop does. And this is how loop holds this. And this is how his mechanics and, and we kind of shaped into something heading into camp, like, Hey, we might have something here. And, you know, we had a, we ended up having a really great year last year and uh, threw 70 innings out of the bullpen and 67 of them were good. And three of them were really, really bad. So, um, but outside of that, it was, it was awesome and, and pitched well enough that uh, the Phillies when they got a chance were, were interested. And that's, you know, they always tell you, you're pitching for all every team. You're not just pitching for your team. Well, when you were with the same team for six years, you you can't even imagine that, mm-hmm. you know? And then all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, I was pitching for every <laughs> team, you know? So so I think that was a cool experience.
0: So you were selected in what's called the Minor League Rule 5 Draft, the AAA phase of the regular Rule 5 Draft, and most casual lay fans have no idea it even exists. Did you know that it existed prior to getting selected?
1: Yeah, so it was actually funny because, you know, I was up in AAA with the Mets, and there was a bunch of situations where I thought this has to be my turn for the big leagues. And Mm -hmm. it never was. Obviously there's so much that goes behind the scenes that you have no idea. Then you're just like, this has to be me, not you. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up, you know, you get frustrated after 50 times when it's not you. And so I talked to my agent after the season was over and asked him, should we ask the Mets to put me on the double A roster at the end of the year so that somebody would have a chance, you know? And, for me, I couldn't blame the Mets. I'd thrown over the top, normal, JARP for six <laughs> years. Now I'm doing something extremely unique, and I feel like they kind of still saw me as JARP, which mm-hmm. how could you not? I mean, the guy's been – you've penciled a guy in for six years as one thing. He does something for four months, and you're like, mm, I'm not sure if this is sustainable. Mm. Um, so I can't blame them, but we were like, let's ask him to put me on the AA roster. Well, then I have this change of heart of like, no. let us I want to be the best. I'm going to – Leave me on the AAA roster. Don't send me anywhere else. Like I'm going to do it here. Well, then they put me on the AA roster without <laughs> me asking, which is obviously is not a good thing. And so they put me. on the, I call my agent. They put me on the AA roster, and he's like, "Well, isn't that what you wanted? Yeah, but not like this. <laughs> I wanted it to be my choice, you know." And so, you know, talking to them, talking to the Mets about why they had did it. You know, they. I mean, you can't blame them. You know, they have do you have to protect guys for mm-hmm. that, that Rule five draft and you have 20 year olds that have hit their clock that were drafted in the, from the Dominican at 16 mm-hmm. and it's like, Hey, we, this guy's in low way. Like we need to put him on this roster. We need to make room. Who are you going to make room? Well, the 28 year old right-handed reliever, like nobody <laughs> wants that guy, you know? And so, uh, just thankfully the Phillies did. And, and it's been, it's been really, really awesome, um, so far. And, a um, but whenever I was got, uh, put on that double A roster, I had friends from all these other organizations like, oh, my team wants you, and my team wants you. And I was like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> and so it was funny because I'd looked up all these teams that had wanted me, and they were all in the PCL, mm-hmm. all places I'd never played before. So I was so excited going to the Rule 5 draft, and I actually had to work that night doing lessons. So I gave my wife a list of all the teams we'd kind of heard from. She would text me, Mariners pass, Rockies pass. And I'm like, oh, no, pass, 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 pass. I was so excited about seeing a different part of the country and everything. And then all of a sudden the Phillies take me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I'm like, same league we've been in for two years, but Hey, (laughs) it's a different opportunity. So, um, and every, as soon as I, um, got taken, you know, the, uh, the guys that got in touch with me, you know, uh, Preston and Hargy, was just right off the bat. And it was like, OK, this something seems different here. And it's been really great.
0: Did you feel like it was a really big form of validation for you, given that, you know, you had just made the switch just over a year ago to going solid arm that a team said, hey, we think we like what you're doing. We think we can continue doing it and get you better. And we want you for that.
1: Yeah. And that was a it was a huge it was a huge form of validation because Last year, I just kept asking, you know, the Mets, "Hey, what do I need to do to get to the big leagues?" I said, "Oh, you got to find a way to get left-handed hitters out." That's what they kept telling me. And I looked at my splits, and they were backwards. I got <laughs> lefties out better. Lefties were hitting like two hundred, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What are we talking <laughs> about?" You know. And so, um, and I, they were like, "Oh, you need to add this this pitch for a chase, and you need to throw harder, and this and that." And then, you know, the Phillies were like, "Hey, like when you throw f- fastballs for strikes." It has the same results as like when guys that throw a hundred throw up for strikes. He's like, just, just throw strikes. And I was like, okay, that's way more simple than okay. Got to add a cutter, and then I got to add four miles an hour and all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, it, validation was the perfect word. It was like, okay, we're doing we're doing something here, somebody else sees this, somebody's going, like, going to value this at a high level.
0: And what I've noticed about you is you're pretty self-deprecating, which I think as a reliever is a humongous trait, given that, you know, one day you might go in, give up five runs, and then the very next day you're gonna be called into the same situation. Um, How did you kind of get to that point, or have you always kind of been that way, where, you know, you don't take yourself so seriously, given that this is a game of failure?
1: yeah and it it goes back to you know trying to be the same guy like my grandpa taught me where it's just they if, if you do good you do bad we don't want to know uh we don't want anybody else to be able to see but um it's it's just like it's a full support at this level you know it's like you know god your wife your kids i mean everything that goes into it because i've not always been like that you know would mm-hmm. be I used to be the guy that would come out of a game after I did bad and somebody else would do bad and they're like in the locker room like hanging out and I'm like, how can they like breathe right now? You know, like they just did bad like I did and they're just whatever. And then two days later, there they are, you know. So um, it's definitely a, a newer thing to be able to brush things off so quickly. And, and I think that comes from the fact that I I feel like our coaching staff and then this organization truly believes in me and that helps too you know because your wife's always going to tell you it's okay and you'll get him next time and but when it comes from coaching staff and and them they're like hey we're going to throw you know after Durham AC's talking to me he said hey you are going to be in that position again you know like it's going to happen and then sure enough the next week we're throwing an in extra innings against Worcester and it was just right back to it you know um, but it it goes a long way to have those those guys come out of their way to say hey it's fine, we're going to give you the ball again. And that, that helps too.
0: You had brought it up a little bit earlier with the name game, killing time out in the bullpen. Uh, relievers always fascinate me in that way because, you know, you guys are all the way out there. you got to figure out something to do. What's the typical Trey Cobb from National Anthem until you're into the game? What's your normal schedule like? Because I remember seeing a video of Jojo Romero back in the day when he was with the Phillies. Chugs a Red Bull, slams it. Pounds it against the head and runs on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the routine is if I was like a doctor watching, be like something's wrong with with that guy. <laughs> I might I'll, I will pee every half it. every half, which is incredible to think about because they're ten minutes long now, and it's not like a oh like maybe we could go. It's like I have to, and if I'm think I might have a chance to so like. In spring training, they, you'd well, go over to the big league side, and they'd say, you have the eighth inning. Okay. Well, the sixth inning, that half, I'll pee three times that <laughs> half inning. Right? And so a lot of that, it's like the first inning, you go out there, and everybody's like great vibes, you know? <laughs> and then as soon as the starter goes like more than 18 pitches, it's like silence. <laughs> everybody's like looking around like, okay, here we go. Who's it going to be? But um yeah, just it, it always depends on and changes with your what your role is and we're so early in the year that roles are just constantly flipping and so it's tough to get into like a routine. Um because you know with when I was here in Syracuse last year, I was the long guy, so like I couldn't even shower before the game because <laughs> the starter pulls his hamstring coming in, I'm out there with the shower sweats, you know. <laughs> so it was it's a completely different feeling here and uh I would say that yeah, my a lot of guys have kind of more specific like, okay, this inning I stretch my hips, this inning I stretch mm-hmm. my legs, this inning I stretch my arms, this inning I'll throw weighted balls. If I'm not in by now I'll do a pre workout and then now I'm kinda of in and go and I'm just like I gotta pee, man. <laughs> that is it. So it's been uh yeah, speaking of here, I didn't notice how good of a view you guys have of the bullpen, so You'll probably y- you you'll probably see me you'll probably see me back there in the <laughs> railroad tracks for
0: <laughs> that, that was my next question was I was looking out there and I'm like, "You know what? I don't think that there's a bathroom out in the bullpens here in Syracuse."
1: Yeah, no, there's not. Lehigh has the best, yes. which is one of the things I was most excited about when I got real fired <laughs> I said, they have a great bullpen bathroom. Okay. Which is good. Rochester is a nightmare. Ooh. Rochester is behind fans all around you, and no bathroom, so you have to walk in between on the field every half inning. Oh. You just walk in the deck and they're like, oh, you again? Like, yep, <laughs> here I am.
0: Um, with you, like I was talking about before, the self-deprecating personality, and then you combine it with kind of, I, I like to call them just kind of like odd features. Like, you know, you're, you've got, you're obviously a pretty funny guy, and it meshes well with who you are as a reliever on the field as well. Do you think that one part of that played off of another or do you think that it just kind of happened organically
1: i think that me being just who i am as a human allowed myself to become sidearm Mm -hmm. it wasn't like oh now i'm sidearm so i can do this it was like (laughs) if i was like this big like tough alpha male Mm -hmm. and they were like hey you need to throw a sidearm i'd be like no (laughs) i'm not doing that i'm doing it my way you know yeah but me just being like I don't know, like a goober. They're like, throw a sidearm. I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, like I'll try it out, whatever you say. And so I feel like that's what kind of led mm-hmm. led to that, evol- uh, like me evolving to a sidearm guy as a
0: pitcher. And with that, like you said, being willing to drop down there, what was it like the first time that you actually found the success throwing sidearm? Was it a light bulb moment or is it like a, it almost like spooked you?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it was a, uh... I had such a tough year in 21 of, like I was telling earlier, just like I'm throwing strikes, but they're going over the fence. I mean, it was incredible. And we were actually in Worcester. I still had no idea what I was doing down there. And I threw strikes for the first time for one day. And I faced, you know, like their two, three, four part of their lineup that had given me. That was 21 where we were mm-hmm. playing the same four teams over and over. Those guys had been killing me all year. <laughs> And I like struck two out, got a little weak ground ball, and they were so uncomfortable at home plate. And I told my wife, I said, I haven't felt like that since college. I haven't felt that dominant since college. Like, something's different. And then, you know, the next time you don't throw strikes and it goes <laughs> everywhere. And then the next time, it, whatever. But that one, like, that day probably allowed me to come back in 2022. That day was kept me sane. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you birdie 18. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps and you're going like, back. huh. I'll play again next time. <laughs> me and Worcester that day was me birdie and eighteen, like, okay, we'll play again, you know. Um, so but you know, that's it's been it's been really fun and then, you know, you guys have seen it this year, watching the games. It's like if I do it and it doesn't go well, I do it to myself. And if it goes well, it goes well. And so, uh it's been it's been nice and like I said, every time you go out there you're starting to figure out a little bit more about your mechanics, a little bit more about how to pitch from down there, how to set guys up. Because like I'd mentioned, I haven't been doing it long. So uh, you're still learning every time, which is which is funny because, you know, people say to us, oh, well, you've been doing this for 20 years. I'm like, I've been doing this for like 20 months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, but, how, how long did it take you to get to that understanding of cutting yourself that slack essentially that like, hey, I've been doing this one way for 27 years and now they're asking me to do the same thing or different thing at the same game and somehow – do it well.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever cut myself (laughs) that slack, you know, like even in 2021, I'm like, why am I not good at this? Like, why am I not getting this? And it's like, somebody would have been like, how are you even doing that? You know? But it was like, I was like so frustrated in the moment, but it's like, you know, I'm trying to learn how to not hit a slice and qualify for the PGA tour. (laughs) That's literally what it was like. I'm like, it was insane. But, um, yeah, it's just, you feel like you never – I never cut myself that slack because I f- know what it's like when it's good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if it can just be good every time, we're going to be great. And so
0: anytime you do bad, you're still like,
1: oh, it doesn't come in your mind like you haven't been doing this long. It's okay. You're
0: just like, I sucked today. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about them because you brought them up a couple of times. Your wife and kids. Um That's one thing I think a lot of people always forget about once you get to this level at the minors is that you guys are adults. (laughs) You guys have personal lives and have families. Um, What's it like now for you, uh, being in a different org, but bringing your family over and then also living in the minor leagues at this point, where you guys are unionized, you guys have housing provided, pay isn't absolutely terrible anymore. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a game changer since the housing has been provided and. Um Phillies have done a great job with the housing. It's been awesome. You know, everything has been on time. The the facilities we've been living in have been fantastic. Um the girls are three and a half now, mm-hmm. twins. And you know, my wife is an absolute warrior. I joke that I ship her from prison to prison throughout the country. <laughs> and we've got one car, so we go home and I go to work mm-hmm. and she's in the apartment with the kids. We come to baseball, I go to work, she's in the apartment with the kids. So yeah, but they have a great relationship, and um, my kids this year, the toughest part has been that this year, they're finally understanding, like, when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Where before, I was out of sight, out of the mind, and yeah. now, like, we were in Jacksonville, and my wife sends me a picture of one of my daughters, and she's, like, sobbing. She was running around the apartment, checking everywhere. I lost Daddy. I lost Daddy. Where did Daddy go? I lost him. She's like, "Daddy's at baseball." Like, "Oh yeah, in Florida." I'm like, "Yes." But they're actually able to come up to Syracuse for the mm-hmm. trip, so oh, that's awesome. They're super familiar with the stadium, and they'll see all their security guards mm-hmm. and their ushers oh. and everybody that they've been terrorizing for the last two years. So,
0: <laughs> this is a random thing that just popped in my mind, and I should have thought of it by looking back at your old uh, Oklahoma State player pages on the website. Did the beard come with becoming a reliever? No, but it did
1: match up pretty well with that. Um, I feel like it was like a, just I finally was able to really grow one. Okay. And then my thing with the beard is I've always said it was an ugly man's makeup. And so (laughs) I was like, I grew a beard and then... I was like, Whoa, this is kinda of sick,
0: like for, from one bearded guy to another, yes, yeah. I, I can confirm it is an ugly man's makeup. Yeah. It wor- has worked wonders for me.
1: And my and my wife, you know, I'll shave it and she's like, I forgot your chin looked that. <laughs> I'm like, Yep, it does. <laughs> and so then we I we, we have to battle through that for a while mm-hmm. and then grow the beard back. But but yeah, in college we uh I think that it really started, we kinda like had this local barber shop mm-hmm. that loved college baseball and so we would go in there and talk with them. And I would see him every Thursday, and I'd always just shaved it just mm-hmm. to keep it kind of clean. And he would just clean it up every every Thursday, and eventually <laughs> we just grew this like monstrous beard. And he was like, "Hey, you know, if you want to if you want to get it thicker, you can leave like under the neck a little mm-hmm. bit, and it'll just kind of mesh in." And we're like, "Okay." And then just we grew the beard, and then
0: uh, it was yeah, ugly man's makeup. Because <laughs> that's I feel like one of those things as a reliever is y- you gotta have a big beard. And you got to be somehow brash on the mound in your own style. So I was curious whether or not the beard matched up with it, but uh, it sounds like you know it happened on its own.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the I've got the beard, and then I don't know how brash I am on the mound, but I'm jumping around out there like a maniac. <laughs> so I had the, the one of the grounds crew guys in in Allentown came up to me and said, "I have never seen somebody put a hole in the mound where you put a hole." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You're welcome." <laughs>
0: How, where, where is your uh, landing spot then?
1: I mean, my left foot lands pretty normal. Okay, and my right foot is kind of where it slopes off the mound towards third base. Yeah, right that foot, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, my <laughs> right foot lands out there because my left foot hits, and then I jump off my left mm-hmm. foot to go right. I'm just begging people to bun on me more. You know, <laughs> I'm already jumping around in a fielding position, so. um uh, yeah, he asked me, he's like, do you want me to put, like, some clay over there to, like, harden it up? I said, I think that messed me up. I like kind of slipping and falling <laughs> around.
0: So one of the things that the Iron Pigs do throughout every season, a lot of different alternate identities. We had our first one a couple of weeks ago now, Space Savers, and those jerseys were auctioned off after the game. And I'm sure it's something you've been a part of a lot. But we happen to see on Twitter that where your jersey ended up going resulted in a really good interaction. So what, what's the story behind that?
1: Yeah, so we were in uh down in spring training and I'd actually thrown in one of the big league games and so uh I'd gone down to the minor league side pretty uh pretty late that day and nobody was there anymore and I saw a family kind of getting a like a tour. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to talk to them and and met them and they they, you know, seemed really cool and I was like, "Oh, that that's nice." And you know, walking by and uh saw that the kid, you know, just like looked athletic and uh I was walking you know right towards them so uh and they were with uh one of my favorite security guards down there and so i was like oh well, i'm gonna you know talk to this guy I had like the phillies stuff on so i was like well if i was a kid i'd think it was so cool if, like a you know a phillies guy talked to me you know um and then so talked to them a little bit and then the next day saw them again um on the fields and and we just kind of chatted again and then the next time i saw them was i was in the bullpen in the big league game and you know he was just like you know trey and I'm like, "Oh, Bryce, what's up?" Remember, do you remember yeah, my name. Yeah, you know, you remembered me, you know, cuz all you hear is "Oh, 48, 48 Can I get 48." Get a baseball. Yeah, so you hear Trey, I'm like, "Whoa." You know, somebody somebody knows my name. And so it was it was cool uh to meet them and um they were a really interesting family and um so whenever I saw that, you know, they won the jersey, I was like, "That's so cool." Um I hope they didn't have to pay too much for it. I hope they weren't outbidding my mom. <laughs> You know, just like going back and forth in a bidding war with my mom for it, you know. Um, but that would have been that would have been a good story. That's actually happened before, when someone gets in a bidding war with my parents. Oh I'm like, my! Like, back off, guys. Did, you did know? your
0: parents try to get every special? Not jersey? everyone.
1: They'll just randomly be like, "I had to pay like two hundred dollars for your jersey this time." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh no, somebody else is like trying to get this thing." But I thought that was really neat, and it's something that you know I've watched the video of him of him opening the stuff you know, countless times just because, you know, when you show up to the same place every day and you, you know, you just, you kind of forget that you're doing something that you dreamed about as a kid because you've done it now for seven years and you show up to the locker room and you're like, I don't want to be here today. And, and now ever since I've gotten that video, every time I feel like that, I'll just flip it over and watch the video of him just being like, Oh my gosh, this is so <laughs> cool. You know, I got a space Sabers jersey and a hat and you're like, it is really cool that we get to do this every day. And so Um, I thought that that it's something that, you know, benefited him and he was really excited about. But then it benefits, you know, me as well to be like, you know what, what we do every day is is cool. You know, we are living. If I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, I'd kick my butt for complaining about (laughs) going to play in these big stadiums we play in, you know. And so I thought that that was it was really cool
0: for both of us. I think we've covered just about all the bases that you know I was interested. In. I think people will be very interested to hear about this. Uh, but just to wrap it up, how have you enjoyed uh, your time uh, in what we like to call Piggyville?
1: <laughs> yeah, Piggyville's been good. We've uh, found some good donut spots. I think it's Mary Ann's. Yep. Maybe, yeah, So we've been. My kids love donuts, so we've been <laughs> there a lot. We have season passes to Dorney. Got to get those. And every time we drive by him to go to uh, Target they like dad i want to go there they freak out I said we will right now it's not open do you see none of nothing is going nothing is going dad i want to go down the slides so they're excited for that to open up and i think it's going to be a really good summer and they're going to really enjoy it
0: well trey thank you so much for your time today best of luck here the rest of the season and uh it's been a blast
1: yep thanks for having me on
0: this was episode one of the 2023 edition of the Pig Pod with Trey Cobb. Sam Jelnick signing off. Have a great rest of your day.